0: The opinions expressed on The Custody Queen Show are for informational purposes only and are not a substitute for personal, professional legal advice. The persons discussed are fictional and not based on actual clients.
1: Hi, I'm Kristen Holstrom. And I'm Sam McBride. And we are The Custody Queens. We have a new show that we couldn't be more excited about. If you're going through a custody battle, fighting for your
2: parental rights, or going through a horrible divorce, nothing is off limits on our new show. Thought it was love, had kids in between, you can count on her. Good morning, everybody. Saturday is really the best day of the week for many reasons, but really it's because we get to spend the morning with all of you on Go Country 105. We have an awesome show for you today called Carrie on the Block. We've had Carrie on a couple of our shows, but we know Carrie as an attorney. Now you guys are going to get to know Carrie as a human and Carrie is such an important part of the team at custody Queens. And
1: we are so excited to have her on her team that we want to share her with all of you. And we're also going to get to pick Carrie's brain a little bit about mediation and that process. So we're very excited to have Carrie on. Thank you. All right. So let's start the week, Sam. Why don't you start with your high and low of the last week or so? Okay. Um, Highs and lows. All right. Well, I have kind of a reoccurring high every time I get a pedicure. And I don't know if I've kind of shared this with you before, but um, I feel like I'm just getting a really good deal because I have such big feet. And <laughs> when you go to get a pedicure, they charge you by the foot, right? So it's not like I have to get an extra large pedicure or anything like that, right? It's the same price for you and me. So your cute feet versus my cute feet, right? So high for me. I got a deal on my pedicure low for me. On my way to the car, I was getting into the car and I didn't smudge the nail polish, I actually hit my toe and like mm. severely damaged my large toe. So I'm, I'm losing that toenail. But I did super glue it back on a little bit, so.
2: You have a super glued toenail next to me here today.
1: In my loafer, yeah.
2: But, but you actually do that to your toes quite often. I've no.
1: lost a lot of toenails.
2: You have? Yep.
1: Yeah. Okay. Soccer player.
2: Yeah, that's true. That makes sense. Lost, yeah,
1: I haven't lost too many toenails, though. Okay. Really? No.
2: <laughs>
1: All right, Carrie,
2: what was your high and low? Of I've the never week lost or so? a toenail. Let's just really?
1: say Really? No. Well, you gotta do it at least once. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sam will show you I'll how. I'll get on that. That's my next goal. <laughs> Sam will show you how.
3: <laughs> so, um, start with the low. One of our employees very valued employees lost a close family member suddenly, and it was very sad to watch her go through that and deal with it. But the high in turn was seeing the rest of the staff support her through the process, pick up the slack as she was out most of the week and we had a big trial that we were preparing for and see everybody chip in to work hard and get it done. So it was really nice to see everybody come together and that's one of the most important things to me is that we work as a team that it's never well that's not my case and I don't have to do it. It's if you need help we're all here. So
2: I I love that and to that employee, my heart went out to her and everyone else that struggled with the pandemic over the last year for whatever reason. We are all all here in this together and here to support each other. But I I agree. I love seeing our team come together. It's one of my greatest um, feelings. And we're a family. We we, really are. We really are. And we have friends that are family and I don't look at my coworkers and my partners and my associates as just an employee. Their families are my family, too. And that's something that we hope that you guys all get listening to us and just know that
1: we are a big, giant family. It's very, very true. All right. I think it's time to. Well, I have my high and low. <laughs> okay. Well, I was going to say, I think it's time
2: to ask Chrissy <laughs> what her high and low
0: was. I
2: just saw you thinking, what is next? Um, no, I had a I had a rough low, uh, Sam knows. I actually had um, my husband and I, when we were first dating, you know, rewind to 2006, 2000, end of 2005, uh, we picked out a dog together. And I think I used student loan money to actually buy this, you know, designer dog. Um, back at the time and we picked out this dog and we actually thought we were getting an English bulldog um, one of the I think the dad was a full English breed and the mom was uh, an old English which is a hybrid between old and English and American so we picked out this adorable white dog on the website and then we picked it up at the airport not too long after that and he was so tiny he was only four pounds he couldn't even stand up straight but we got it and I said, where are the wrinkles um, it, it, there was no English bulldog. Not in, an English bulldog. in this breed at all. Uh, the dog that we got, but we ended up naming him Chemo. That was the restaurant that we had celebrated after uh, we got engaged in Maui, and Chemo uh, was fourteen, a little over fourteen. He turned fourteen um, a couple weeks ago. And we had gone to Legoland for my other son's birthday, and we came home and we found that he had passed. Um, and you know, for any dog lovers out there, I know that you guys all understand that losing a pet is really losing a family member. So, you know, I he had been with us for a, over a third of my life, which is crazy when you think about it. So, I loved that dog. I yes, Sam used dog. to walk him, and well, no, he, he walked no, her. He walked me. <laughs>
1: okay, this is no English bulldog. This is a. This is a tough dog and I would say, Chemo, do you want to go for a walk? And he would say yes and then we would go out the door and he would take me for a walk. He would take me for a very far and long walk and we did it all the time and then we'd get to the point where we would need to turn down and he would just sit down and <laughs> lay there but he's too big for me to carry him so then I would just have to like basically take a nap next to him.
2: <laughs> and <laughs> he's one of those that dogs dog. that look kind of you know, tough and rough. And he just got a really bad rap because he, I brought three babies home to this dog and he protected them. He just protected them, with lay next to them. And over the last couple months, I saw his health, you know, decline, but it it never gets easy. Uh, my husband and I have had four dogs that we've lost over the last couple years and it just never gets easier. But there's a wonderful poem out there called The Rainbow Bridge. So for anyone that's lost a pet or they're trying to explain the process to their children, of, you know, what happens to dogs and where do they go. And uh, it, it's just a great poem, and I always like to share it with people. And yeah. my daughter told me that uh, doggy heaven is in Hawaii because mm-hmm. the sun is shining, the waters are warm, and it's cool enough, you know, with the rain. So we have four dogs now, up you know, living the life in Hawaii. So that was a low point. But um, a high point is, uh, I had a couple highs, but I'll just say one. My point is that I just uh, finished booking all of my reservations for a uh, Disney World vacation. So I have been A wait- much needed vacation. Much, and I think I'm more excited about it than the kids, to be honest. <laughs> I keep trying to justify my expenses for the kids. Uh, but yeah, we are going there and Animal Kingdom, my favorite, Carrie loves
3: that too. I love that. we. I did a trip to, I've done twice to Disney World, but did it when my older daughter was a senior in high school took 275 band members and dance team to disney world and they performed and went to every park oh that is and cool. we still had a good time despite the fact chaperoning 275 high schoolers so. that,
1: that's a lot of high school kids yeah oh, that's <laughs> a, a lot, lot of high lot school, of high school kids. and attitude
3: yes. <laughs> yes oh there was a lot of attitude and yes. probably
1: a lot of noise with all that music and
3: flying four different planes of with like instruments. 50 kids and no they actually had to put the instruments on a u-haul and one of the parents drove cross-country with the instruments there oh wow, wow. that's a commitment yeah, it was there. crazy wow.
2: yeah i've
1: only fake played the clarinet for a couple of years
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <job>. fake play <laughs> yeah so if anyone has any tips that they want to give us please feel free to email us at custodyqueens.com uh, or cri- i'm kristen at custody queens. And uh, yeah, send us and let us know how your weeks go too. We always love to hear from you guys.
1: All right. So I think it's time for us to move on to the next segment. That would be Divorce Wars. Uh, We're very excited to have Carrie help us analyze this week's fact pattern. This is where we listen to gruesome tales and fictional stories about divorces family law issues etc and we analyze them and kind of let you guys know our thoughts and how they relate to family law
2: all right let's listen carrie you're up first
1: <laughs> this is divorce divorce
0: married couple got their gas utility account turned on at their house back in 1972. But the gas company never finished the paperwork properly. They had free gas service for about 40 years because their account was active, but the billing was never set up. Later, they divorced, and the husband gets to keep the house with the free gas service. The gas company finally caught the problem sometime around 2014, and they sent him a bill for a decade's worth of gas. The guy told the company to send the bill to his ex-wife. There was a clause in the divorce settlement that said that if the gas company was ever notified or discovered the free gas deal, the ex wife would have to pay any past bill payments. The arrangement was made so that the wife could never alert the company to the error without having to pay herself. What was more amazing was that two lawyers and a judge actually signed off on this while fully knowing what the guy was getting away with.
3: That's a really interesting <laughs> fact pattern. And I'm a little surprised at that The attorney for wife actually negotiated that and agreed to that because I think once it's in a document and she agreed to it, she's gonna be held accountable. I was expecting that the facts to go a little different. Yeah, me too. Once they said that it's in the judgment, if it's in a judgment, it's enforceable. So I think she's responsible for it. I don't know if she maybe should talk to another attorney and see if she's got some leg up against the gas company regarding a statute of limitations
1: of waiting 10 years. But within the divorce case, I think she negotiated this and agreed to it. And I wonder if she got something else in the judgment in consideration of that. Yeah, good point.
2: Yeah, and oftentimes, a lot of things that end up in a stipulated judgment or a marital settlement agreement those are agreements between the parties so i don't think that the court would have necessarily made any order about the gas or the potential gas bill you know for the decades but once you agree and you put that in a judgment that's an agreement
1: yes so it it doesn't have to be that when you come to an agreement you share liabilities and you split assets and debts Uh, You can come up with your own arrangement and that's to your benefit and sometimes to your detriment. And it sounds like based on the information we have in this case, it's to wife's detriment.
2: Yeah. And that may be where wife, you know, wants to, like Carrie said, reach out to potentially a civil attorney or try to negotiate that debt directly with a gas company. I'm sure that they would probably
3: come up with some
2: settlement for 40 years of she might have a defense there. So The,
3: the, the irony of that is. I thought it said that they did that so wife wouldn't report the problem. Well, what was preventing husband from reporting it to the gas company?
2: Yeah, it if was it very, said that
3: she was the one that was going to have to pay it. It is very poorly written
2: judgment and it was a poorly negotiated agreement. That's, so uh, it sounds like both of them had really crappy attorneys and they should have called the custody queens. That's the way I see
3: it. <laughs> Me too. Carrie, what do you think would have happened if there wasn't a judgment? I was thinking about that, and if there wasn't a judgment, if there was nothing in the judgment that said anything, I think it would have been an omitted debt, and it was incurred, well let me say first, that if it's omitted from the judgment, maybe there's a judgment entered and it says nothing about it, then you could go back to court to deal with this omitted debt, and I think it's a community debt, and they're each liable for one half up to the time that they were both living in the house, and until they separated. Exactly what I was thinking.
2: That's actually where I thought the story was gonna go initially. I did too. Well, and how do we end this section, Sam? We certainly hope that they live happily ever after, after divorce. Nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, now we get to interrogate Carrie. And what I mean by that is, like I said earlier, I think that most people know Carrie the attorney and the really lucky ones like Sam and I actually get to know her as a human and I want the rest of you to get to know the person that we've grown to love and care and and just supports us in our business together and is such a huge part of Custy Queen. So Carrie, why don't you tell some people some things about you that the public generally may not know?
1: Sure.
3: So um, I was born in New York, so I'm. A New Yorker through and through, even though I left when I was 10 years old, I'm still often asked, what part of New York do you come from? And I'm like, I don't have an accent, but certain words it does come out in. And especially when I'm talking to other New Yorkers, it makes it come up a little more. Um, Moved out to California when I was 10 to the Los Angeles area, grew up in L.A., Uh, met my husband in law school, and he had gone to UC Irvine and said to me, well, we're going to live in Irvine one day. And the smart Alec that I was said to him, well, there's nothing on my ring finger that says we are living anywhere. <laughs> and his answer was, oh, well, we're going to get married too. And I said, well, God, you are so romantic and I am so <laughs> lucky to have you. Now, granted, years later, when not years, months later, when he did officially ask me to marry him, it was very romantic. And he had... um collected Cracker Jack toys over his years and wrapped each one up and each one represented something we had done in the years that we were dating. Wow. And actually the story ended up in a book that's called Will You Marry Me? So it's very cute. Wow, go okay. cow! Yeah, so he did something good. So we did end <laughs> up in Orange County. Um, I have two beautiful daughters that I have, they're my pride and joy, They are both graduates of one of Tulane in New Orleans and one of University of Michigan. And despite all the fact that my husband and I have shown them how hard we work as attorneys, they both are going to law school and both are gonna be attorneys. Clearly have both said they don't wanna do family law, but they're both gonna be attorneys. My um, older one is finishing her first year at USC. Despite the fact that her mom's a Bruin, I support it. <laughs> and uh, my younger one is going to be starting this year at University of Michigan. So we're very happy because we've loved going to visit her in Ann Arbor and seeing the area. And unfortunately, didn't get any football games this year because of COVID. So she gave us three more years to keep visiting <laughs> Ann Arbor. So and um I have my parents are still alive and well in Los Angeles and family is really important to me. So we probably see my parents at least three times a month. Just either they come to us or we go to them and spend a lot of time. Have an older brother and various nieces and nephews and just family is really important.
2: And what's your favorite favorite thing about being an
3: attorney? You know, I like to argue. And I I just, I really like litigating and going and representing my client and presenting their case and doing that and advocating for what I believe is right for my client. And it's just a great feeling. It's been, I will say, very difficult in the time of COVID because where I practice in Orange County, most of the time and in Los Angeles County, they're not doing any hardly any in-person hearings so over the last year I've had two in person and it's just not the same arguing about a case when you're just a little box on the zoom camera yeah, I agree. just doesn't do it so I I haven't had that oomph that I really like of just the feeling of going into court and just putting it out there
1: yeah well, and Carrie's an incredible attorney I I plan on having her her handle my first divorce (laughs) (laughs) i
3: I, many many of my friends often say to their husbands you want to fight with me go ahead but i'm hiring carrie (laughs) and they'll like in front of their husband give me a dollar and say i've already retained her so just
2: be careful so
3: yeah and i i
2: whenever you get personal referrals it's it's a fine line of How close is this person to you? Um, And again, this year has been a year for me for setting boundaries and understanding my limits and just creating positive boundaries for myself. And so a lot of times I get personal referrals and these two ladies both sitting next to me, Sam and Carrie handle 90% of my personal referrals because I have learned that if I have any emotional attachment to the case or I have an emotional relationship or it's my neighbor, you know, it's better to have somebody that is completely unattached to the case handle it because then emotions are not involved and there's no reactions so yeah I agree it's more productive yeah and I and I can tell you these two take care of my referrals and they are trusted with everything in me and I always tell my clients so I love having both of these strong ladies uh on my team and as more importantly as friends thank you So maybe your marriage didn't go as planned, or maybe you didn't pick the best partner to have a child with. Or could it just be
1: baby mama drama? Well, no matter what the situation is, we can help. We are the Custody Queens, and you can call us at 1-800-419-7772. That's 1-800-419-7772. All right, I think it's time for us to kind of get into our topic for the day, which is mediation. So Carrie, we're gonna put you in the hot seat. Can you explain what mediation is? So there's different forms of mediation.
3: The, the basic form is that the two parties, in this case, husband and wife, would come to hopefully an attorney that's how i mean i do mediation they come to one individual and present their issues and the mediator is there as a neutral to help them reach some kind of resolution of the case and it's not that the mediator is uh advocating for either side they're more or less telling them what a court might do in that situation and helping the people reach the best resolution for the family. And sometimes the best resolution for the family might not be what the court would order if you went into court, but for this particular unit, it works. There's also mediation sometimes where an attorney or maybe a retired judge acts as a mediator, and the parties go in with their own counsel to try and settle a case and mediate a case. So there's there's different levels of it, but the basic form is that the two people meet with one individual. And most of the time... You want an attorney to do that because A, they're going to know what a court's going to do in different situations and B, they can assist you with preparing the paperwork, making sure it's all done correctly so that whatever agreement you reach is something that would be filed with the court and then be enforceable in the future. And what type of parties do you think are the best candidates for mediation? So an easier way to answer that question would be maybe who shouldn't do mediation. One of the times I definitely say it shouldn't be is if there's any domestic violence. If there's any situation where the people aren't on equal footing, they shouldn't do it because one of them has been a victim and has gone through that and is at a point where they might just give in to certain things because of the abuse in the past. I think that people that get along and still want to do what's best for their family, and kind of are already on the same wavelength on a lot of the bigger issues, but maybe need some help on smaller issues, that's prime for mediation. Those are the people that can sit down and talk. But if one person is completely saying, I want full custody of the kids, and the other person is saying, I want full custody of the kids, that's going to be a hard situation to mediate. So...
1: So with mediation if a couple is separating and they decide hey maybe we don't have an agreement on everything but there's some things we need to work on and through and we want to try it out what's the the first step for that? so when i do mediations the biggest
3: thing for me is that i don't want to talk to either side without the other side present, because i don't want anybody to get the thought that they're talking about something behind my back and i don't know what's going on so the best thing is that the two people should meet with the mediator and just make sure it's a good fit not that that's first session isn't to necessarily go over the facts or come up with agreements or do things it's just to see that hey we can all communicate and we can get along and for the mediator to determine that they're right for mediation and for them to determine this person is the right person for us to talk to
1: and i imagine that's a pretty important conversation and consultation to have because if you're not really going to be a fit or you think that there's a red flag kind of at the beginning of the case. What happens when parties don't actually come to an agreement?
3: Right. And and that's what's not fair. And, and it's funny that Kristen had brought up who she refers to uh, friends and family and that she doesn't do their cases. The only mediation that I ever had that did not result in an agreement was people that I knew personally. And I knew the woman a little more than the man. And he just felt like it wasn't fair and neutral. And this was many years ago, probably 15 years ago. And thinking back, I probably should have referred them to another mediator so that they would have felt like they were on equal footing. But so I there's
1: was, th- So there's not the appearance or the right. idea, even though it's not true.
3: Right. Yeah, people's
2: perceptions is, you know, it's their own. And whether it's their or not, we have to validate their perceptions.
1: Absolutely, and, and so when we think about a mediation or a couple that is going to mediation, if they go through the process and they're successful, then that's great, that can save them probably a lot of finances, a lot of litigation, and a lot of wasted headache. If they start going through the process, though, and it doesn't work out, what happens next? So if they start going through the process
3: and at any point one of them decides they don't want to do it anymore, they withdraw from mediation and they end up going to litigation and they end up fighting each other. And at some points they still might settle their case down the road with their own counsel and with things. But they have at that point gone to the court system and started battling it out rather than reaching an agreement outside through mediation
1: and sometimes you have to do that right actually often you know couples will separate and even if they believe that they are being reasonable they aren't one party isn't and you can't make the other party be reasonable so if you can't come to an agreement the next route is to go through formal litigation that doesn't mean you can't always try to settle your case when you have an attorney or you're litigating your case in the family law court more formally, as Kristen and I normally talk about. But I do think mediation is an option that everyone should consider, at least as an analysis when you're separating, is this potentially a good candidate for me? If it's not, you at least know that if you tried the process and it didn't work out, you can still pursue other avenues. You're not stuck with that.
3: And I would say one of the really important things that I always say in mediation is I uh, encourage both parties to get their own attorney to look over whatever agreement or just to discuss it, because you want them to feel comfortable with what they agree to and to understand it. And as much as I can tell them to have someone that they sit in a room with by themselves that is representing their interests, tell them, yeah, this is the right thing for you to do is very important.
2: Yeah, and what people don't understand too is with the court system being backed up or all of the challenges that we've had over the last year, year and a half, if you are a ripe candidate for mediation. Um, you can reach Carrie at block at custodyqueens.com and you can have a case assessment with her and set up a consultation for you and the other party to see if this is a good fit for Carrie and for you and the other party as well and I guess Carrie just in summary I mean the biggest thing that I see as an advantage
3: to mediation if the parties are good candidates is the time definitely it can be a much faster process especially now with the pandemic and the results after the pandemic going to court takes so much longer and we can do a mediation in a few sessions over a few weeks and you can have an agreement and it saves the time and it saves the heartache too because being in that litigation fighting mode is not for everybody and leads to a lot of feelings and if if you have children that you're going to be sharing your life with this person despite the fact that you're divorced i always say there's going to be college graduations grandchildren weddings one day you're gonna be seeing that person. So it might be better to start thinking of everyone's feelings earlier rather than later and preserve that relationship into the future.
2: All right, well, that was a great show. Thank you guys all for listening with us. We love having Carrie on. Don't worry for everyone out there that loves Carrie. Uh, she will have a you know recurring role on our show and we will get her back in the very near future for
1: more uh, discussions. And if you have any questions or wanna give us a call, please feel free. It's 1-800-419-7772. That's 1-800-419-7772. Thank you guys
2: for listening. Make sure you catch our social feeds for upcoming giveaways and the like. And join us every Saturday on Go Country 105 at 8.30 a.m.
1: And remember, let let love love rule. Thought it was love had kids in between.
0: The opinions expressed on The Custody Queen Show are for informational purposes only and are not a substitute for personal, professional legal advice. The persons discussed are fictional and not based on actual clients.